If you're just joining us, or maybe have forgotten, we, we are in a summer series that we've been looking at and exploring the parables of Jesus, and uh, we've covered a few of them. We're not covering all of them, because there's a little over 40 parables, and um, we've covered some. The some. A few that we have covered, we've covered the parable of the mustard seed, the parable of the yeast, the parable of the hidden treasure, the parable of the pearl of great price, the parable of the talents, the parable of the wise and foolish servants, the parable of the wise and foolish builders, and today we're going to look at the parable of the barren fig tree and its relatability to us today. Again, I want to uh, make sure we, we are all together on the same page. We just published uh, an August newsletter online at our website, newlifechurchofjackson.org. Uh, so sometime today or this week, take a moment, if you have not already, click on our link, and uh, you'll see the e-newsletter there, and uh, Pastor Lindsay will be talking a little bit about that here in a little bit as we close, but got some updated information and, and, and things pertaining to the life of our church. Uh, how many of you know, we, we're going to, as life is, we're going to move on, we're moving forward, amen? I know there are things and precautions we have to do and use wisdom and things to that nature, but come on, we're not going to stop being who God has called us to be. Amen? We're not going to live in fear. We're not going to live tucked in. We're going to live with our light shining, and we're going to live moving forward with our faith in the name of the Lord, the name we've just got through lifting up, the name we just got through praising, the one we just got through magnifying. Amen? So let that overflow in our life this week. Let that spill over into our life this week. Praise God. And obviously continue to pray and continue to believe the Lord for, for this thing to cease and, and for for the name of Christ to be lifted up, for his people to be who we're called to be, and that we would not lose heart, certainly in days like that we're in in this hour. Uh, the parable of the barren fig tree, Luke chapter 13. I've titled today's message, Bearing Fruit in Barren Seasons. Bearing Fruit in Barren Seasons. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation for these few verses, Luke 13, verse 6. Through nine and says, Then Jesus told them this parable. He said, There was a man who planted a fig tree in his orchard, but when he came to gather fruit from his tree, he found none, for it was barren and had no fruit. So he said to his gardener, For the last three years, I've come to gather figs from my tree, but it remains fruitless. What a waste. Go ahead and cut it down. But the gardener said, Sir, we should leave it one more year. Let me fertilize it, cultivate it, and then let's see if it will produce fruit. If it doesn't bear fruit by next year, we'll cut it down. Anybody read that parable before? Remember reading that parable? A few of us remember reading that parable before. Bearing fruit in barren seasons. Barren seasons. Uh, no one is a stranger to those times in life. When, when times in life when things just don't feel like they're, they're, they're moving forward. Things just don't feel like nothing's really good is happening. Barren seasons. Times in our life when things don't seem to be changing or going in a positive direction. When life and activity feel 
unfruitful and just kind of unproductive, no matter how much energy you seem to spend or put into something. Anybody ever been in a place like that, in a season like that, where, where it just doesn't feel like any good is coming out of where we're at or where I'm, where I'm putting my, my effort in or where I'm putting my prayers in and things just, that happens. Barren seasons, you know, it's, it's not a secret, even though sometimes it feels like sometimes people live forgetting that we only have one life to live. Uh, we only have this one shot in this life on this side of eternity. And, you know, God's design is, is, for, us to, uh, is for us to live in a way that would obviously honor Him and in a way that would uh, show that our life is for Him. And we've been planted in His vineyard. Uh, as a Christian, as a disciple, as a, someone who's tasted the goodness of God, uh, we're expected to bear fruit with our lives. We're expected to bear fruit. There's this expectation from the divine that us disciples are expected to bear fruit worthy of repentance. We have turned away from and continue to turn away from the, the path that leads to destruction and walk on the path that leads to to righteousness. And this parable, this parable of this, of this uh, barren fig tree, it, it addresses the question, will, will God find fruit in my life? As way on back in Second Chronicles, there's a verse tucked away in chapter 16, verse 9, that tells us the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro across the earth looking to strengthen the hearts of those who are loyal to him. 2 Corinthians 16 or 2 Chronicles 16:9. His eyes are constantly looking across this globe. As many people as there are, those whose hearts are loyal to him, he's looking to strengthen those lives. You know, the question is is our life producing fruit from the kingdom for the kingdom? In other places, Jesus had said at this in, in his Sermon on the Mount is, we will know, you will know a tree by its fruit. You also know people by their actions or likewise their fruit. And so to bear fruit, then we have to be planted, we have to be cultivated, we have to be fertilized, we, we have to be pruned. That's, that's no fun, being pruned, but the pruning comes to those who are bearing fruit. Uh, we have to live surrender to the master gardener. Who is God? If we want our lives to bear the fruit, and God is looking like He is, like in this parable, the man owned the tree, owned the orchard, looking for three years for this tree to bear him some fruit. Looking. God is looking in our lives. Are we bearing fruit for Him? You know, but also like this parable of this barren fig tree, we we go through barren seasons where we find it difficult, very challenging to bear fruit because of this, what is happening in life, what we go through, what we deal with, etc., etc. But God is looking for fruit in our life. Fruit equals growth. So are we growing in God through Christ? Are we growing? No doubt we will encounter seasons of, of barrenness, but through seasons of barren times, we can still grow and produce fruit out of our life. So I wanted to look at a few examples today um, of people who 
in the Bible who went through barren seasons, who experienced barren seasons, but yet from their example, they were also able to bear fruit from those barren seasons. Uh, we'll look at the first, first one here, Jesus, obviously, in the wilderness. In Matthew chapter 4, you can read about this, his time in the wilderness. <clears throat> he practiced solitude. For Jesus to bear fruit in this time of barrenness in the wilderness, we can take away from it that he practiced solitude. And um, if there's anything the pandemic has tried to teach us, we, we can learn from is solitude. Uh, forced or not forced, we were told, you know, trying to slow ourselves down uh, in a way uh, to where we can put our thoughts in the right places and our heart in the right position and our lives in a, in, in a, in a way where we can, we can be still. And I know that's, that's still not easy uh, to do. But we'll look at his, his example. In Matthew 4, Jesus, is, it said that he was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness, if you will, into a place of barrenness, uh, to pray and fast for 40 days. And in that time, he was also tempted by the devil. Came to him, the accuser and the deceiver. So Jesus' time spent in this place of solitude, in a, in a solitude state, gave him strength, to withstand the temptations of the enemy, and to bear fruit out of this barren season. And his practice of solitude should also be a pattern that we as his followers uh, should also uh, take to heart. I hardly ever recommend movies or shows, but I can't go wrong with this one, I don't think. It's called The Chosen. I don't know if you've heard of it. I don't know if you've seen it, but you can download the app on most people have smartphones. You download the app on your smartphone, and then you can broadcast it to your smart TV. You've got to be smart these days to operate a smartphone and a smart TV, apparently. But it'll broadcast on there. They've done season one. There's eight, eight episodes, 45 minutes to an hour each. Anyway, it's very cleverly done um, in, in it and, so, and how, they, how they produce it. But I would recommend that. Gives you kind of a, a different angle, if you will, into the background of how Jesus calls all of his disciples. It, it's, it's pretty eye-opening. It's pretty neat. It kind of takes you down a road of imagination. Uh, but in, 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 in that, you can see his pattern of solitude and how he practiced it, and how you and I, if we're going to bear fruit in barren seasons, we're going to go through them, we've been through them, we will go through barren seasons again. feels like the last five months have been a barren season for a lot of people, and, and, but we can, we can learn to produce fruit if we will learn to practice solitude. And in practicing solitude, it's basically Jesus prayed. I know it's a, it's a unique concept, for us Christ followers these days to, to, to pray, right? But he, he practiced solitude, and in practicing solitude, he prayed. He, he meditated on the Word, on the Scriptures. He um, was constantly surrendering his will to the Father uh, and, and living and showing us what it's like to live a life of repentance. And he had a daily solitude and a seasonal solitude. And one we can certainly... If, we need to always get better at doing. No, one, no matter where we are on the spiritual growth spectrum or scale, we can all improve our solitude practice, if you will, the, dis, the spiritual discipline of solitude to pray. 
you know, before we face our world, whenever, if our day begins in the morning or if our day begins at night, depending on the schedules of work and things, we need to make sure that if we're going to ever have fruit out of our barren season, man, we got to have solitude happening. We've got to lead ourselves. We've got to discipline ourselves to a place of practicing solitude where we can get quiet. I don't mean we've got to spend hours upon hours in that moment before going to work for the day, but we need to get in a place and a habit of practice where we can still our hearts, we can still our minds, and we can open up the Word in some capacity and, and, and get our face in that and get our mind on the right track and, and, get, and, and spend some time surrendering our will to the Father. In the old school days, it was called quiet time. Remember those? Some of, some of us have been around a while. Quiet. You had, you had your quiet time before the Lord. Solitude. Pray. These are things that, habits that should never go away. Now the method and how it's practiced, it's going to change depending again on our, our, our day of schedules and where we're at. But I can't encourage you enough I can't teach you enough and encourage you enough to practice solitude. If we want to have some fruit on our vine, we want to have some fruit on our life when times are feeling like, man, nothing good is happening, no positive growth is taking place, I don't feel anything from the Lord right now, we've got to still show up and practice solitude and pray and meditate on the Word. Now, it doesn't guarantee that you're not going to screw up that day. Because I've asked the Lord that question, Lord, I pray and I get in your word, but yet, man, I have made so many mistakes today, it's not even funny. Right? I I know I'm not talking to anybody in here. You guys are awesome. You don't make mistakes. Those watching, it's just me. I make make a lot of mistakes every day. But it does not mean that the word of God is not working in me and the God of the word is not alive in me. And what what this practice of solitude does, it gets us to come to the Father Often. It gets us in the habit of coming to the Lord. Often. Because you get caught in a day of, of, of trial, a day of, of busyness, a day of hecticness, or whatever it is. You're going to find yourself needing wisdom. What's this practice of solitude do? Get you going to the Father. Lord, I need wisdom today. You encounter something challenging with somebody. Lord, I, I need help in this moment today. And so but we have to practice solitude if we want to see fruit come out of our life. But this also builds within us the ability to have a greater dependency on, on God and less on ourselves. Because let's just face it, we have, so much, we have so much at our fingertips. We Google anything and everything to learn about anything and everything. And half the time we forget that, not that you don't learn any kind of knowledge to that nature, but we should ask God what He thinks. We should talk to the Lord about what He has to say about things going on in our life. And I'm not, I don't say that to say that I don't think you do that. I'm just saying we all need to continue to build that strength of, of discipline to practice solitude. Anybody with me today? Solitude cultivates within us a strength of character to be able to withstand temptation. I love this. I came across this definition of temptation by Pastor Jack Graham. He said, temptation is, every temptation is a solicitation to fulfill a God-given desire 
in a God-forbidden way. Temptation is a solicitation, is a, is a solicitation to fulfill a God-given desire in a God-forbidden way. Jesus, no doubt, he, those 40 days fasting and praying, the devil came to tempt him, practice solitude. The temptations came. Hey, Jesus, if you're hungry, why don't you just turn those stones into bread? Why don't you use your position and your privilege to bring self-fulfillment into your life? Fulfill your life with something other than God and His Word. Well, because He practiced solitude, it builds within us who follow Christ a strength of character to withstand temptation, and he had been meditating on the Scriptures, and it says that the Word of the Lord says you should not, what? Live by every, you should live by every word from the Lord and not by bread alone, right? And because he practiced solitude, it built within him a strength. Anybody have any weaknesses? Don't raise your hand, but we all have weaknesses, My weakness is asking people to talk about their weaknesses, okay? (laughs) But we all have them, and the devil will use opportunities to bring temptation into our life, and the way we get stronger to withstand those things is practicing solitude. It reminds us what the Word of the Lord is. One of my very first memory verses was Psalm 119.11. In fact, I think it came up today on the daily feed of the YouVersion app. I have hidden your word in my heart, Lord, that I might not sin against you. It's amazing. You you find yourself in, in places in life how the word of God will just seem to rise up. But it only gets stronger to rise the more you stir it, the more you practice solitude. Another temptation, the devil came to him and said, hey, take him up to the temple of the, uh, in Jerusalem. And he said, hey, why don't you just jump and be free? Why don't you just go ahead and jump and be free? You can do anything you want to do because you have free will. You can do it all. You can, you can um, live free from the surrendering of the sovereign in your life, and you'll be fine. You'll be okay. You have free will. Just do what you want, and you'll be all right. Because Jesus practiced solitude, he was able to come back and withstand that temptation. It's like, I get it. I can do anything I want. I have a free will. I can live however I want to live. But the word of the Lord says, don't test God by attempting to do what you want to do in life. You need to trust the Lord. That temptation comes to everybody. Why don't you just go on and do what you want? Whatever makes you happy. Whatever will bring you satisfaction. Whatever will make you feel good about you. And if we're not careful, we fall for the cleverness of the deception. And we'll find ourselves, instead of really being happy and truly content, because they're always going to lead to wanting more and more and more and having to have the need of other things in our life if it's not filled by God. But solitude reminds us Solitude reminds us. Again, when I talk about solitude, I don't mean we go live behind a wall and we don't ever come out into this world or we don't ever engage anybody else or anything to that nature. It just means, man, we get ourselves disciplined and continue to strengthen that disciplined habit of coming to the Lord and having His Word be greater in our life. And the third temptation, he, he discovered it. He came across the devil said, hey, 
took him up to the highest of mountains, showed him the splendor of the earthly realm, and he said, look, if you'll just bow down to me, you can receive and have the exchange of everything in this world. If you'll give up your so-called heavenly glory for all the earthly splendor, the object of your worship, if it would just be anything other than God, you can, have, you can be happy and you can have everything you ever wanted. Remember a few weeks ago we talked about what worship meant? Not just a song or a hymn. Worship is a lifestyle, it's a choice, it's the it's discipline of putting something first, and worship is putting, should be putting God first. And the enemy came to Jesus, tempting him, hey, you can be happy with everything in this earth if you'll just exchange who you are for what I want to give you. And he practiced solitude, and because he practiced solitude, he came back with the word of God and said, hey, you should only worship and serve the Lord your God only. Be content in who he is and what he has for you. Be content in who God is and what God has for you. That takes out the comparing game all by itself, because We can compare what we have and who we are and what we can do and what we can't do with a lot of other people. It happens across this entire world. Happens every day. And if we're not careful, we can get caught up in the allure of comparing what we don't have compared to what someone else has. And then we'll think, man, i got to have what they have in order to be somebody and be something and do something with whatever. And that's the deception. No. Worship the Lord, be content in who He is and what He has for you. Because it will not always be what He has for you, will not always be what He has for someone else in the sense of what He can supply and what He wants to do through you. Practicing solitude builds within us a strength of character and a dependency on God greater than than on ourself. Amen. I remember there was a time in our life, Haley and I had been married a few years, and we felt like it was time to start a family. And we tried, and nothing was going on. We could not get pregnant, and we were like, what's, what's up? Maybe we should just get checked out. So we would go to the doctors, and some of you have heard our story before. Um, and we, we saw specialists, and they finally just said, hey, you have a less than 25% chance of of ever uh, getting pregnant and having children by science or natural, whatever. And so we left, obviously devastated, feeling completely down and like, what, what, what do we do now? Um, so we began to pray and ask the Lord to help and to show us what needed to happen, or how, and mainly just that our hearts would get content and we would be good at a place of just trusting Him. And in that time of practicing solitude and praying, Haley came across the verse, Hebrews 11, 11. We actually have a plaque of this above our mantle with our, now we have three kids. But the verse is, it was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Talking about Abraham, Sarah, way on back then. Though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. No doubt, Sarah became pregnant and rest is history but that was a verse that Haley found 
And then she's like, this is the verse we need to stand on right here for us. And lo and behold, we, as you know now, we have three girls. And um, we were just talking about this the other day. What would the doctor say now? Would he call it a miracle or what? And, uh, but God gave us this verse to stand on. And we put that on our mantle with our three pictures of our girls. And it's just a constant reminder. We go through that room. We look up. You see it. it, it even though on some days, kids get on your nerves. Uh, other days, dad gets on their nerves. And, but we still see the promise of God being fulfilled in our life in a time when we, there was a barren season. And in that barren season, we had to go to baby showers for other people, buying presents for other moms-to-be. Uh, I can't express to you the anguish that, that was going on in Haley's heart and, and having to buy a present for someone when you know, man, I'm trying to. And, and, and all of those tests and all of those trials and challenging Family members bought some presents for us before we ever, before she ever got pregnant in faith that, hey, take this onesie and hang it in the closet as a sign of faith. And we did that for ourselves as well, just planting some seed of faith with God's word that one day we're not going to be barren anymore. Things are going to change and there's going to be fruit in our life. And we're thankful that obviously now looking back and seeing that, that God delivered on that. But bearing, bearing fruit in barren seasons doesn't just happen. It happens when we apply ourselves to get close to the Lord. And then fruit can come on our vine. Amen? Quickly, we'll try to go through these other two. I just have two, two more. Talking about bearing fruit in barren seasons. Number two, purposely surround yourself with like-minded people. Talking about David in the cave of Adullam. You can read about it in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 22. David had been chosen to be king already, uh, anointed by the prophet Samuel to be the king, but then through the backstory, Saul, the current king, and did not like David, was jealous of David. So many parallels there. And David was basically just fighting to just stay alive, trying to keep his distance as best as he could from Saul. And he could, I'm sure he was like, you know, is this even worth it? God, you, you, you have something you want me to do. Why do I have to go through all of this in order to obtain it? Anybody ever ask yourself that or ask the Lord that? You've got a purpose for my life. Why do I have to go through what I go through in order to live it? David was there. You know, we can't often see what lies ahead, especially right when you're in the middle of a barren season of life, when it just doesn't feel like any fruit's coming out, no positive things are coming forth, that you don't feel like anything is changing in your world. But God has a way of putting the right people in our life at the right time, people who will strengthen us and support us for the purpose of the Lord, people who will... Um, see God's potential in our life, even when we can't see it. 
I don't know if you ever had that happen to you before. People coming to you and telling you, man, you can't give up. You can't quit. You got to keep going because God has put something good on the inside of you and he has something good for you down the road. Sometimes other people see it more than we see it for ourselves. And vice versa, we can see that in other people's lives when other people don't quite see that for themselves. People who will, who will love us patiently, people who will support us faithfully, people who will pray for us diligently, people who will encourage us courageously, and people who will challenge us unashamedly. God puts people like that in our path and in our life because it's those kinds of people that help us move forward. But here's the thing, we have to be intentional and we have to do that on purpose. Only you and I control the door of allowing people into our life or keeping people out by closing the door. And there's just things with, with life, especially today, when we go through seasons of barrenness, that we need the right people in our life. If we're going to make it through. And David found himself here. Without the right people in his life. There's no way he would have made it through. The way he made it through. When he found himself there in the cave of Adullam. He was down. He was disappointed. And you know who shows up? Over 400 people who were down. And who were disappointed. He's like great. You're giving me a bunch of people like myself. And I think the prophetic. One of the prophetic Angles in that is God's like, look, I'm go- you're going to lead yourself out as you lead these people out. Sometimes we want everybody else to do it for us. But David was like, I know these people are counting on me, but yet I am counting on them because they're kind of a reflection of where I'm at. And if I'll be faithful with them, God will be faithful with me. Maybe that was some of the thought behind his thinking, I don't know, but it certainly shows that in his, in his pattern and the way he moves forward. One of his old-time friends, his pal, Jonathan, the current king's son, came and found David one, one time when he was in this hiding place, if you will, in this barren season, and he came to him to encourage him to stay strong in the Lord. And he told him, David, don't be afraid right now. And it goes on, the story goes, and this is, happens over about a 15-year period. Brandon did a great job last week of bringing some of these parallels out with David and Saul in our life today. But about a 15-year period from the time David was, man, having the greatest day of his life, being anointed to be the king of Israel, and 15 years go by where he barren season. Entering into that time where he didn't know that was going to happen. And the story goes on. It says, as time passed, David's dynasty became bigger and stronger while Saul's became weaker and weaker. I propose because of the people they had in their life. Affected their perspective of their future. David had the right people in his life who, were, who would be there for him, who were loyal to him, who would challenge him, who would stand with him, who would support him. And the story goes and concludes in 2 Samuel 5, David makes a covenant before the Lord to be the next king. And he, reigned, he was 30 years old and he reigned for 40 years over Israel. But 15 years of barrenness. Can you... God didn't show him the 15 years ahead of time because David probably, most likely, might have stayed at his dad's farm and just took care of the sheep where nobody knew his name. 
where he was left alone, he could do what he needed to do and be fine. See, God doesn't always show us the seasons. He doesn't always show us those seasons of barrenness that we're going to go through. But he will always find and put the right people in our life if we'll open our life up to it. And friends, in a day and time like this, I know we have to have the distance physically, but we we need to make sure that we don't stay so isolated in our own little world, in our own little neck of the woods, in our own little homes, and we don't open our life up to people. I'm not saying have a gathering of whatever. I'm just encouraging you, hey, you can always call, you can always text, you can always FaceTime, you can always be six feet apart and still talk to somebody in a, in a respectful way, in a right way. Don't get caught in staying completely off by yourself. Never good. Never good. Amen? We need the right people in our life, and we, need, and we have to be purposeful in how we do that. Last one. You guys good with this last one? Okay. Talking about Bearing fruit in barren seasons. Practicing solitude. Purposely surrounding ourselves with the right people. Thirdly, predetermine. Make your mind up to set your sights to sail to a new season. Don't think where you're at is where you're always going to be. You can read about this, the Apostle Paul, in his route to Rome. You can read all about it from Acts 20 to Acts 28. A barren season. In one verse, Paul says, the Spirit is leading me to go. He said, I don't know all what lies ahead. But I know the Spirit of the Lord is leading me in this direction. Leading Paul into a a barren season where he would go into prison, where he would be under house arrest. He didn't know all that, but he just knew that something like that could happen. There were a lot of variables and a lot of unknowns. But it was because of that, God used Paul to write a lot of the New Testament letters known as the epistles. See, because Paul was a traveler. Paul was a goer. Paul was a mover and a shaker. Paul was a sailor. He was moving from here to there. All these different journeys across. But he had, he had determined ahead of time to set his sights. I don't know everything that I'm about to go through. But I believe there's something good that's going to come out of it. And that's exactly what happened. Because see, where we're we're at might not have always seen it coming. But if we will live predetermined to set our sights on a new season that we can sail on to, God can bring fruit out of our barren life. And He will use those barren seasons more often than not to bring about good. If we will yield, if we will learn, and if we will just continue to be open to let God use us to help other people.
See, that's a thing that you see throughout all of Scripture. What people go through, what people went through. God did something unique and special for them, but He did it so that they could be of help to other people. Think about that. Paul, going through this barren season over the course of a few years, had he not embraced it, had he not yielded to it, had he not learned from it, had he not opened his life to let's let God use it for good, we would not have Ephesians. He wrote that from prison in Rome. We wouldn't know about the spiritual armor of God. We wouldn't have Philippians. <clears throat> wrote that from prison. Where he tells us, hey, you got to forget the past. And you got to look ahead. You got to look forward to what lies ahead. We wouldn't have it written like that. We wouldn't have that reminder in our life. We wouldn't have Colossians where he wrote from prison. Beautiful chapter 1 starting around verse 15, where he just goes off and he just tells us about how supreme Christ is. We wouldn't have that. Christ is the image of the invisible God. He is above. He is great. We wouldn't have the second letter to Timothy where Paul wrote and said, Timothy, my time has drawn to a close. If I could tell you one last thing, Timothy, fight the good fight. Finish your race, Timothy. Keep the faith. We wouldn't have that if Paul didn't go through his season of what looked like barrenness. We wouldn't have Philemon. Don't talk much about him. One little not even a chapter. It doesn't even have a chapter. It's its own little thing. It's one little letter, small. But it's a reference letter for Onesimus. Paul discipled this runaway slave, Onesimus. And he writes a letter to Philemon, who is his owner. And he tells him, you've got to take care of him because he's a believer now. And just let him serve at the at his own pleasure. You're not going to have to make him do anything because he's found the one who did it all for him. And he sends that letter back as a reference. Anybody ever ask for reference letters from people before? You ask, from, you ask them from people who you hope are going to write something good for you, Right? I've had some people ask me for reference letters that they didn't deserve a good reference. But you ask for those who are going to give you a good one that you hope. And I can't say I've always, always deserved a good reference letter either. But we, we wouldn't have had that. So many things we would not have had. Think about your life. Barren seasons. When times just aren't, man, they just don't feel like nothing good is happening, man. All this bad's happening around me. 
happening to people I know? Where's the good fruit, Lord? Nothing seems to be changing. What do we do? Well, when we're faced with times like that, we have a choice. We can remain barren, not produce fruit, just kind of yield and give in to it and be like, I guess this is the way it is. Or I love this one statement by this gardener in this parable. He says, sir, we should leave it one more year. Give it one more shot. Give it one more chance. I promise I'll take care of it. I'll give it extra nurture, extra fertilization. I'll water it. I'm so thankful for the one more years of God, the one more chances of God. Because come on, truth be told, we should never have that opportunity. We've blown it too many times. But the Holy Spirit speaks up. Give them one more year. I'll work in them. (laughs) I'll do a work in their heart. Give them one more chance. Give them one more opportunity. You see, we can either choose to just give in and be like, this is it, or we can be like, come on. I'm going to give you one one more year. Let's work this thing. I'm going to draw close to you. I'm going to surround the right people in my life. Lord, I'm going to fix my eyes on what lies ahead. I'm not going to be taken out right here. There will be fruit on my life right where I am. Bearing fruit in barren seasons does not come easy. It comes when we determine to do it God's way. Amen. Come on, I want to pray for you. If you would, if you're able to stand. Hope this helped you today. Certainly a help to me to look back on these. Come on, if you want fruit in your life, let's lift our hands. Lord, we want fruit. Not so we can just say, hey, look at me, I got it. We want you to really truly notice it because you're looking for it. You're going to come for us one day. Time will end on this earth. You, will, Jesus, you will return. We want you to find fruit in our life. Lord, I know we haven't always been perfect. We haven't always got it right. So help us today, Holy Spirit, to apply your word to our life today to truly get stronger in practicing the solitude of praying and, Lord, getting into your word, surrendering our will to you, living a life of repentance before you, God. Lord, put the right people in our path, the right people in our life. Circle us surround us and Lord help us to not be afraid to open our life up to someone that you've put there they may not be a lifer they might not always be there but they'll be there for a moment in time to do the purpose you have them there for and vice versa with us to others help us like Paul to yield to 
what you want to do to learn, to grow, so that you can use our life to hopefully help other people. There are people all around us every day looking for truth, looking for light, looking for love, just looking for an ounce of hope. Let our story be that for them. Lord, we yield to you. We plant ourselves in your vineyard, God. We are yours. Grow in our life. Help us. Help us to bloom right where we are. Bear fruit right here in a barren season. We love you and we thank you for that. Help us, Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.